Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Danny Cannell, Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, and Tom Fernelli. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Barton Simmons. That's Tom Fernelli. I'm Chip Patterson. And we have uh, reached the final preseason podcast of the year on November, in November of uh, 2020. The last win totals pods. Uh, we've got the, the Pac-12 at hand. Here's the deal. We're going to be doing the, the Pac-12 North today. The Pac-12 South will be posted on Wednesday. And, uh, and these two divisions, obviously, uh, each coming in with a lot of different storylines. We've got some, some new faces in terms of coaches in both divisions. We've got some programs that are in, entering some crucial uh, turning points, hot seats, and more. We're going to be getting into uh, all of that. But as, you know, like, as we're here, sitting here getting started with the Pac-12 North, the I feel like it is a, a standard issue question for the, the radio hits, right? Like, all right, Pac-12 is just getting started. Does it, do, do they have a chance to be able to make the college football playoff? Or is it too late to get in? And I guess, like, for the purposes of quick discussion before we start diving into breaking down these numbers, like, does do you think that the timing of when it starts matters as much as the teams that are involved? Uh. Right. I, I, I think I agree with what you're saying and that I, I think it's it, it, whether you think the Pac-12 is getting in is less to do with whether they started late, whether they've got played six games or seven games or what more to do with do they look like a playoff worthy team. Right. Is that what you're yeah. getting at? I mean, the fact I, is like I if you think that. Oregon's going to be a college football playoff team, then I think Oregon's going to be a college football playoff team with a six, seven game schedule. And if you don't think Oregon's going to be a college football playoff team or you don't want to come to chips kool-aid and drink that sweet sweet usc nectar come back for another year of just putting usc in the playoffs then you know you just you don't think it's going to be it to position this as like a pac-12 screwed it up pac-12 you know gave themselves no chance to make the college football playoff they are facing some of the same difficulties that the big 10 is at least in terms of not having bye weeks if games need to be rescheduled but at the same time i kind of think that the Pac-12 getting on the field in the fall, getting whatever football in that they can is going to at least keep all these programs on a calendar pace uh, in a better way than a, a spring season might have. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you're sitting there saying that Ohio State can make the playoff on a truncated schedule, then you have to say that a Pac-12 team can make the playoff as long as, you know, it plays well enough and it gets in. But going back to your love for USC, Chip, could one not make an argument that USC's chances are even better this year with a shorter schedule. That's that's fewer chances to screw up, <laughs> and uh, including a, yeah, well, no Alabama, <laughs> no Alabama. <laughs> US USC had a couple options, right? You know, you could have entered this season uh, having to start the year against angry Alabama and Mac Jones, and when Jalen Waddle was still in the lineup. Now you don't. Now you don't have to worry about that. Um, so because if USC ends up going six and zero. In the Pac-12, um, then we can we can trick ourselves into thinking USC is playoff worthy. Mm-hmm. We can we can. There's all kinds of little mind games we can play with ourselves to say, hey, that team's as good as Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State. But if they went undefeated in the Pac-12 with a fifty-two loss to three loss <laughs> yeah. to Alabama to jump things off, then it's a little tougher to play those mind games. And probably Notre Dame too. <laughs> oh yeah. For sure. That's right. Yep. All right. Time to begin. Pac-12 win totals. We got uh, Pac-12 North today. Pac-12 South coming up later. Uh, Are you guys ready to count them up? Let's do it. Yes. 
as much as I think it's the, the under Count is a safe up. play, like, I can't even. Count them up. Count them up. How many games are going to win this fall? I can't fathom who wins. How many games are going to win this fall? I just can't. I don't see it. It's not, it's not on there. It's not, not the schedule I'm looking at. Unless there's another schedule somewhere. And once again, uh, all of these uh, all of these totals are set by Tom. Ready for it? The Edgewater Sportsbook and Entertainment Emporium and buffet and buffet. And now introducing uh, socially distanced buffet. Uh, we begin in the Pac-12 North at the highest win total. Remember, six conference games and then a seventh championship week. Conference championship game on Friday, Saturday with an extra game uh, matched up between teams uh, to be able to give them a little bit of extra football. The over-under win total on the six-game schedule for the Oregon Ducks set at five and a half. Uh, the home games include Stanford, UCLA, and Washington. The road games, you go to Oregon State, uh, to Washington State, and to Cal. There's been, we, we spent a lot of time talking about this Oregon team. Uh, just sort of it comes up in the mailbag a lot. We've got a lot of Oregon listeners. Um, comes up in, in terms of, I feel like we were a little bit on the forefront of uh, it. both like being um, a, a little bit critical of Mario Cristobal, like from a betting perspective, right? Like what was it? The 2018 season had some, had some game management, you know, and then all of a sudden we were suckered into the other side. We've seen the program development really take off, especially with the way that uh, as Cristobal just, he builds this team out from the trenches, tough defense, great defensive line, great offensive line, Five and a half suggests, I mean, we're talking about six and oh, or we're talking about five and one. Barton, how do you see uh, the duck season playing out? I think five and a half games. I mean, look, this is first of all, let's let's make sure that we clarify the rules here from the Edgewater. And these do these win totals do not include championship week. Correct. Correct. These are not among these are these are not five and a half out of seven. This is five and a half out of six. Correct. So look, we we don't have a whole lot of precedent here to to look to to guide us from six game seasons. Uh, so it's a little bit of a like this is a weird place to be here. Where all right, what sounds? I mean, obviously, six games, six wins sounds very much attainable. Um, zero losses sounds kind of daunting, um, but you know where does that match up when the when there's are only six games and when uh, you know uh, one loss is is a pretty big loss uh, along the way. So I think I'm I'm erring on the side of like that's a, that's too high of a bar for this team. I think I'm erring on the side of five and one seems to me more attainable than than six and zero. Oh. And I, I will be honest. I think that there is the possibility of like a four and two. Um, the, the the questions here are are many. You have a new quarterback. Uh, Tyler Shuck is is likely the starter. They also have Anthony Brown from Boston College. Um, the wide receiver group returns intact for the most part, and that's not a bad group. Um, but I don't think it's one of the elite groups in college football. The running backfield, uh, Verdell's back, good player. Offensive line's totally rebuilt. Penny Sewell's gone. The defense is, I think, very talented, and yet one of the best groups, like the one of the strengths, not only of this team, but in college football was the secondary. And what, three of those guys have opted out at this point? You've got a new offensive coordinator, um, coming in and Joe Moorhead, I, a guy I think is really good, but a guy that is still a new offensive coordinator. And I, I, I think that I just, all, all that spells enough uncertainty for me to where I'm thinking six and O oh is a little bit tough to pull off. Um, I'm just looking at their schedule here. 
So their their cross division opponent is UCLA. I would think that they could get UCLA, but we don't. You know, who knows? Maybe UCLA is good this year for once. Um, but but I, I just think I think a loss somewhere along the way is 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 where I'm heading. So I'm going under. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that. I mean, you you mentioned all the concerns that there are about this team going into the season, all of which are very legitimate. And I think that while Oregon, Mario Cristobal has done a very good job recruiting to raise the talent level of this program, I don't think we're at a point where Oregon can withstand all the losses that it's taken with, you know, just people graduating from last year and the players that have opted out for this year and still be considered a team that's, you know, ready to dominate. And I also think that with the Pac-12, we kind of have the added benefit at this point of seeing how this season and this format is affecting other teams and other conferences. And one of the lessons that I've taken so far is that unless you are the Alabama, Clemson, or, you know, we've only seen two games, but Ohio State's, it is really hard to imagine any team getting through a short, compact schedule like this with no breaks in between and no warm-up games against, you know, weak non-conference competition without screwing up somewhere and suffering a loss. Some of them won't be expected. Some of them won't be, you know, would be less shocking. And when I look at the Oregon schedule, it's like, yeah, it's, it's capable of winning all six of these games. But it's also capable of losing a couple of them. It could lose to UCLA. It could lose to Cal. It could lose to Washington. So I just don't think that this is a team that's in a position right now to where I can look at it and say, oh, yeah, that's 6-0. and It might be the best team in the Pac-12. It might win the Pac-12. But I think it's going to get a loss at some point. We're all the way in on the under right here. My, uh, my trouble spots are at Cal, which I think is going to be a really, really good football team. And even though that Washington game is in Eugene, I, I mean, I expect it to be competitive. I don't think it's a game that Oregon c- can definitely chalk up as a win. I like Oregon to win against Stanford at home. I think that uh, normally going to Pullman can get a little bit tricky, but I'm downgrading the Cougars a little bit. Uh, year one, Nick Rolovich, a little bit of, um, you know, just a, a hunch there. And UCLA at home, I think, should be a win, and Oregon State, as much as we love our beloved beeves, I do have that uh, for a win as well. So I, I could really see uh, five and one probably is the more likely four and two though is my floor. I don't see anything worse than that. Um, and then six and zero, oh, if it happens, then Oregon's going into the conference championship week. What probably like seventh or sixth in the college football playoff rankings with a bunch of teams ahead of them that are all playing each other on conference championship Saturday. And so we're just like selling drama. We're like, all right. And if this very specific five outcome set of events happens, well then Oregon fans, you get your day. Oregon got, just sitting there with a 20 to one parlay ticket. Like, come on. Yes, yeah, seriously. I think like last year was a, was a step forward for Oregon and and yet I don't think this is all linear. Like I don't think that you just are automatically going to take another step forward. Um, they they probably won't be as good a team as they were last year, and that's okay. That's not some big slight on the program. They they might take a slight step back this year, only to take a bigger step forward next year because then Tyler Shuck is back. Then the the offensive line will bring back experience. A lot of those the skill talent will still remain, um, and 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 a lot of the the young talents, the five stars they're bringing in at the linebacker position, spots like that, will have taken hold as, as well. And Gavon Thibodeau is still there, so I think next, if you're betting on like an undefeated Oregon, I think uh, I think 2021 is your time to do it. Count them up. The Washington Huskies over under set at four and a half. Year one of the Jimmy Lake era. Um, uh, a promotion from inside the program that we sort of, sort of seemed like a no nonsense. The surprise, the surprise was really Chris Peterson deciding to step down, but Jimmy Lake gets promoted and you know, the, this team was held back a little bit offensively. So we're looking to see whether uh, a change at head coach, Jimmy Lake, the defensive coordinator for the Huskies defensive backs coach as well, who helped the Huskies have championship level defense year in and year out. We'll see if uh, a little bit of a shakeup in the staff leads to any, any change uh, in terms of the way that the Huskies go about their business. And certainly in terms of productivity, Uh, the cross division draw is Arizona on the six game schedule. And 
at home. They've got Oregon State, Arizona, and Stanford on the road. They've got Cal, Washington State, and Oregon. Tom, how are you? Uh, how are you picking this again? Over under set at four and a half. I'm optimistic. I'm going over. I, I I think that they could get to five wins. I, you mentioned the offensive problems that this team had last year, and it wasn't great. But a lot of that was red zone based because if you look at the numbers for last year in the Pac-12, Washington, you might be surprised to learn actually ranked fourth in the conference in points per drive. Only Washington State, Utah, and Oregon were ahead of it, and Oregon was barely ahead of it. The problem for Washington, like I said, was in the red zone. They really had trouble cashing in for touchdowns. They had to settle for field goals all too often. On the other side of the ball, defensively, they were, you know, they were Washington. And I think that they're going to continue to be Washington with Jimmy Lake. And I think that with Jimmy Lake taking over, maybe putting in some energy into the program that maybe had been lacking, not that Chris Peterson wasn't 100% dedicated to his job, but if, if, the act of retiring was on his mind and something he was considering. It's not hard to see that seeping into the way he was approaching things and maybe just, you know, let letting go of the rope a little bit for Washington last year, which helped lead to an eight and five season. So I think that that was a team last year that was better than its record suggests. I think that defensively, they're still going to be very sound. And I think you mentioned the schedule. I think they've got a beneficial schedule starting on the road at Cal will not be easy that that could be a tough game, but I think they can get Oregon state. I think drawing Arizona from the South, that is as good as you can hope for, for the most part, when, when it comes to your cross-division game. Washington State's taking a step backwards, I think, this year. Stanford, we'll, we'll let Barton rip it apart later. I'm sure he's going to. <laughs> and then there's the game against Oregon, which I think they're very much capable of winning. So if it's lurking, looking at a 5-1, and 6-0 and o kind of season, I think that's very much in play for the Huskies. I'm going over. I'm, I'm surprised at that a little bit because I'm also on the over and I kind of thought I'd be a little bit um, of on an Island with that one. I think because we just talked about Oregon and, and it'll sound a little bit hypocritical to say, to act like, you know, the over is the play for Washington and the under is the play for Oregon. When there's a lot of, there's some similarities in these two teams. I think the, the difference here is that, um, you know, Oregon five and one Oregon, is is allowing for a really good season. Um, that's just six and zero is a tall ask. And then five. I, the tough part is like they could very well be four and two here, Washington. Like that's mm-hmm. we're, we're, this is a tall ask to get to Washington to five and one. But I think again there was a little bit of a okay, Oregon hit um, a really high point on the you know the the, the trend line for for their program, and now it's going to take a little bit of a step back as it reaches for another like even higher point. Whereas Washington, like last year, was a step back. And this year, I think, is pacing towards a step forward. Um, I'm a little bit worried that Levi on Wuzurike was is out, opting out. Joe Tryon is opting out. Like, those are not small departures there on the defensive line. Um, but this is – I'm a guy who saw John Donovan as the offensive coordinator at Vanderbilt, and I saw him – piece together offenses that put up nine wins in the SEC with nothing other than Jordan Matthews at wide receiver. Like, I do think that this is, and this guy's been in the, the NFL here for the last, whatever, man, four years. And I, I think this is a, this will be an improvement at offensive coordinator. I think that they'll, I'm, I'm always a little worried. Like, it feels like every year Washington has like a four quarterback like competition. Yes. So, and they're all named Jake or Jacob. <laughs> right. So I'm a little worried about how our, you know, how many reps our, our number one guys getting here heading into the, the season. But, um, you know, I think Kevin Thompson's coming from, from FCS is a good option. I think Ethan Garbers is a true freshman could be a really good option as well. That doesn't include the, the resident Jacob of this year's team, Jacob Sermon. Um, like there are, I think that there's good players in that depth chart. And then uh, like they all, like this is a team with great DBs. And this is a team that has, I believe, improved their wide receiver room. I think I said that last year, and it didn't show up as much as I would have expected it to on the field. But the guys that I think are good are back again. Puka Nakua, um, Ty Evans, like, you know, I think these are really good players. And so I, I just think that this is a Washington team that has got a chip on its shoulder. Jimmy Lake's leaning into that. Uh, it feels like no one's really talking about them as a legit contender in the Pac-12. And 
to me, I guess the contrarian in me just believes that that's a that that is a recipe for a team that's poised to have a pretty good year. But I've got it as uh, but by the way, I'm on the over too. I officially in my like cold calculations was a, a push, but I had so many unders that I've picked throughout the Pac-12 that I had to take some of my pushes and push them over. And it's the idea that. I have a lot of confidence that Washington can go to Eugene and knock off Oregon. Like that is a game that I absolutely think they can win in a way that I don't know if there's any other team in the Pac-12 that I would trust to be able to go to Eugene and knock off Oregon. But I still don't have enough there that makes me feel totally confident that they're going to be able to get through the entire schedule undefeated. I mean, it was a team that when I did my analysis, I ended up with a bunch of toss-ups. Like I think Washington can go to Oregon and take off, take down the ducks. I also believe that Washington could lose to Stanford. Like those two things. I think that that's the variance that we've got with this particular Huskies team. And of course that trip to Cal, I think it's going to be really tough with just two really solid defenses going up against each other. I had three wins, no losses, three toss ups, four and a half is a damn perfect number, uh, set by the Edgewater. So, officially cold calculations as a push, but I am, uh, I am also going with the over and I feel like the Washington offense. I don't cause it, it did get a little bit of, uh, the John Donovan hire got some side eye, right? Like sort of across, oh, yeah. yeah, across sure. the yeah. college football community. You're coming here with a lot of positivity. It, it is, it, that is contrarian positivity. Right, 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 right. And, and I, and I want to be, make sure I clarify too. Like, I was surprised to see that hire. I mean, John Donovan had been sort of um, in witness protection program for the last couple of years. You know, I mean, he was a he was one of these sort of nebulous like um, offensive assistants. This guy is in the NFL. Like, didn't wasn't even wasn't a coordinator. wasn't a position coach. Was just sort of an offensive assistant. And you know, last we saw him was you know James Franklin moving on from him and hiring actually Oregon's guy Joe Moorhead. And that, then they got some 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 boost. Um, but Look, I mean, so I'm not saying like it's a 10 out of 10 higher. I'm just saying I have probably more optimism about it than sort of the general perception because I I have seen him do a lot with a little. And I am, I do think that coaches can improve and have professional development. And hey, he's been in the NFL working. Like, let's see what he can do. And 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 I do think that there what like it, it there is room for improvement in that offense. Like I didn't have a very good offense coordinator last year. Like, I don't think that their offense was very effective last year. And so I think that there's, there is a, there's some runway to, to be better. It's going to get be tough this Saturday game one. You're playing at Cal That offense is going to have its work cut out for it. Uh, certainly again, uh, that game is Saturday night, 10 30 PM Eastern time. Pac 12 after dark is back and Pac 12. Might be in. I know that Clemson Notre Dame is going to end up being in. I know that some of these big games are going to be available in the college pick'em, which of course is open at cbssports.com from Tuesday until noon Saturday. Uh, they pick the best 10 to 15 college football games against the spread. You go and make your selections, fill out your little card, submit it, and then $1,000 guaranteed going to be given away. So you've got your chance to get some of the $1,000 that are going to be given away this week by going and entering the college pick'em. You can do it by going to cbsports.com slash college. Again, this college pick'em doesn't cost anything to enter. You don't need to risk anything. It is just the opportunity to get money for how smart you are because of listening to the Cover 3 podcast. 10 to 15 of the biggest games is every, it's not just this week. It's every single week opens on Tuesday. It's going to be open until noon Saturday. When those games kick off, go and make your against the spread selections, get a chance to get some of that $1,000 guaranteed given away. CBSports.com slash college to play the college pick them. Am I eligible? No. Darn it. I, the, you might be actually, but I just, I'm assuming that if it's not, uh, the CBS sports podcast network, if it's not CBS sports.com, if it's not sports line, if it's not CBS sports HQ, uh, one of your mini hats probably 
deems you ineligible to win. It's in the fine print somewhere. I mean, $1,000 is a lot of money. Should I quit my job and try to win the 1000 I would not recommend it. Why don't you okay. stick to Champions League parlays? <laughs> oh, those aren't going great today, Chip. Okay. That, that means not great for me either. All right. <laughs> let's turn our attention. Uh, we mentioned the Cow Bears. They... How many games are going to win this fall? The Cal Bears have a win total set at four and a half. The same as Washington. I guess you could say that uh, Saturday's game is going to be a little bit of a pivot point. Uh, From the other division, they draw Arizona State and on the road as well. But they get Washington at home. They get Oregon at home. They get Stanford at home. Uh, They go to Oregon State and to Washington State in division play. We've got uh, a defense that is uh, once again up to Justin Wilcox standards. We've got, let's see, I was looking at their uh, personnel earlier. We know that Chase Garbers is going to be awesome, but all right, Cameron Bynum opted out, said I'm going to go get ready for the NFL draft. Oh, no, no, no. Now he's opted back in. You've got Cameron Good. You've got Kenny Dang. Uh, No Evan Weaver to put together like 25 tackle games, but still... Just a, a really solid group on the defensive side of the ball. If you're a Chase Garbers believer, then this is your opportunity to defend him. Uh, Chase Garbers banged up, but in games where he both started and finished the game, they were pretty good. So, um, I guess, Barton, which way are you going with the Bears? Specifically, in games where Garbers had... 18 or more passes, pass attempts. They were 7-0. and There you go. And 1-6 and in the others. And the only reason I picked that, that random number of 18 is you, I think you said it better. I think just those were the seven games that he started and finished. Um, in the games that he didn't finish or didn't play, he was 1-6. They were 1-6. Um, I don't know. That I don't know. Like he might be good. Me. Yeah. <laughs> like, like that might have been a pretty pretty critical part of of their their record last year, and and I you know he's back this year. They return ten starters on offense. They return eight starters on defense. I mean, Justin Wilcox. I'll raise my hand. Like I was, I didn't get that higher, and I was wrong. I mean, he's really good. And this defense is really good. I think it's huge that Elijah Hicks and Cameron Bynum are in and they're not preparing for the NFL draft. They've got a nice little mix of, uh, of, of veterans um, that are starting. And then they got a bunch of freshmen uh, in the, in the two deep uh, running with the twos. And I think that that indicates that they like the guys that they've recruited and that they've got some experience to kind of shepherd them through this thing. I think that this is a this is a really good team. Now, again, like it's sort of we're we're being put to it here because they're playing Washington up front. They've got Arizona State as a cross division. That's that's not probably one of your draws you would have liked to have seen. They still have Oregon on the schedule. Um, so to me, it's like, all right, well, what is what happens within those three games? Do they go three and zero? Do they go one and two? Do they go two and one? What you know? I think that they go one and two still. Um, and I'm not confident in that, but I've got them at four and two. I've got them on the under. I really like this team, but the Edgewater gave me a tough line here. And uh, and so I'm going to play the under. I'm on the under as well, and I'm not nearly as optimistic as you are. I don't even know if they'll get to four and two, honestly. I. I understand the reasons for optimism. We've mentioned you know, a lot of returning starters, the difference between them with Chase Garbers and them without Chase Garbers last year. But the problem is, even if Chase Garbers had played enough, I think Chase Garbers looked better just because of the way the team performed and the guys he was you know they had behind him. Because even if Garbers had played enough to qualify in the Pac-12, he still would have finished seventh in the conference in passing efficiency. He still would have been behind Jaden Daniels and just ahead of Jacob Eason. So it's not like he was lighting it up. And offensively overall, I think this team got a little lucky at times last year because if you look at it, they finished 11th in the conference at 1.8 points per drive, only ahead of Stanford. 
But that was boosted because they finished in the conference in the red zone. They did great. They had a red zone efficient scoring efficiency of 71.4%. On a goal to go efficiency, they were at 87%. I don't know if that if they're going to be able to maintain that kind of success in the red zone, considering how much they struggled everywhere else and just, in fact, struggled getting to the red zone a lot of the times. So I, I look at this team and I see a team that's got to win games like 19 to 16. And it's hard to do that consistently unless you have a truly elite defense. And I think Cal's defense is good, but I don't think talent-wise that it's anything we would consider elite. So I see like a three and three season, eee. maybe even two and four. Ooh! And I know our, our boy David Cobb is going to come out. You know he's going to he's going to be angry when he hears this, but I I just think that that's the case. I don't I I. I feel like Cal was the team that was kind of christened as the team that's going to take a step forward, but I felt like it was more because everybody was kind of surprised by it last year than it was anybody taking like an actual sobering look at some of the numbers underlying the results. So I like Chase Garbers. I, I don't think he's an amazing quarterback. Maybe he takes a step forward and becomes that this year, but I just don't think they're good enough offensively where I want to count on them to win, you know, however many games it would take to get over here. Be, even at four and two, they'd still be under. So I'm going under. So I like I don't disagree with what you're saying about Chase Garbers. The, the the difference in Wisconsin's games with Chase Garbers and without Chase Garbers. I was about to call him West Coast Jack Cone, and you basically yeah. just did that. Yeah. You called Wisconsin it's, game, you said Wisconsin with Chase Garbers and without Chase Garbers. It is. Oh, is that what I said? Yeah, I said yeah, Wisconsin? yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's Jack yeah. Cone. They're, I mean, they are Wisconsin. So like what what's you know the 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 difference between them with Chase Garbers and without Chase Garbers was that with Chase Garbers they had a decent quarterback that they could that they could you know operate an offense with and be functional with and without Chase Garbers they didn't and the offense was totally inept and when you're totally inept it's hard to lean on that defense I mean Justin Wilcox has that Wisconsin background I mean they're basically the Wisconsin of the West. And I think that's the way, that's the way I view them. And, and so I don't get too caught up in who the quarterback is for Wisconsin because they just, they're going to figure out a way. And I, I, I'm starting to trust Cal to just figure out a way because I think that their defense is, is good. And Justin Wilcox has got those guys ready. Count me uh, on the under, but it is way more of a Barton under than a Tom under because I found it. I, I think that that, trio at the top of the Pac-12 North is awesome. And one of the reasons why I'm going like under, I think I said push to over for wish for Washington. And then this was a push to under where I think the wins are Oregon state, Stanford and Washington state. And I think the toss ups are Washington, Arizona state and Oregon. So this is the hinge game. Like if, if Cal loses to Washington, then this is an under. And if Cal beats Washington, I think this is an over and I think they can go five and one, but I'm, I am far more optimistic about Cal. I'm excited about Cal and having all three of those teams really good in the PAC 12 North is making that division really tough. It makes Oregon's chances of going undefeated very, very slim just because I think highly of where Cal, in addition to Washington, is at. So I'm on the under, but I don't see a three and three or a two and four. So, so far, the only disagreement any of us have had is just on how many games Cal will win while finishing under the total. <laughs> right. I've got, I mean, I got a lot of unders uh, out here in the Pac-12. I don't, I don't know how the schedule ending, ended up breaking that way, but uh, it's, it's just where I'm at. Count them up! Coming up on the other side, we take a look at the rest of the Pac-12 North can Stanford get back? What to expect from Nick Rolovich in Washington State and our beloved Beavs, Jonathan Smith, back again. We break down the schedule next. All right, so next up in the countdown, we're going from most wins to least wins according to uh, the Edgewater Sportsbook and Emporium. Stanford set at three and a half. The cross division, man, that is a... That is a fortunate, we, we mentioned Arizona as being like maybe the best thing you could see if you're a Pac-12 North. How about Colorado at home? Yeah, that's that's going to be something that's going to make you feel better about yourself. Uh, the Cardinal, again, three and a half. Uh, Tom, which way are you going? Do you see a 500 season for Stanford? Yeah, 
I'm going under. I'm going under at three and three because I I think they're definitely losing the opener against Oregon. I I don't I don't know what what we've seen from Stanford last year or going into this year to think that they're going to win that game unless it's just a crazy stupid game where weird things happen. But I do think that Colorado game very winnable for Stanford. I think that Washington State is very winnable at home for Stanford. So then I got three games left. I'm sitting at one and two. I got Cal on the road to me, as we've discussed, that's more of a coin flip than I think you guys probably feel to me. I I think that Stanford could easily win that game just as well as it could lose it. Washington on the road. That's a tough pill to swallow. And then Oregon state at home. That's somewhat of a coin flip to me too. But so I think that best case scenario, we're looking at three and three. So we're under the total here. I'm under shocker. Uh, <laughs> uh, so let me, let me, where do I want to go? I mean, look, the, here's the, probably my biggest issue here is the fact that this is one of these programs that has barely been able to get guys on campus. I mean, they had, a, you know, guys have flown home, you know, for the summer, for the fall. And and now they're back on campus. Like I don't know how much like it's taken them a while to even be able to to meet together. Like it's just I think that they're facing a little bit. And there's a couple of schools like this. I think the you know I mean obviously we didn't mention this with Cal. Cal had probably had some similar issues um, in terms of just the uh, the challenges that the the COVID era has presented. I think Stanford is one of the ones that's tough. Um, so there's that before I even get to just the the decay, the identity crisis. <laughs> we'll see what it looks like this year. I mean, maybe they figure it out. I mean, it doesn't help that they lost Walker little to, to opting out to the NFL draft who I don't know what he gets drafted, but he had a chance to play himself into the first round. If he's not a first rounder already um, at left tackle. And I mean, Davis mills is, is legit. I think he's a big time quarterback, but this guy has struggled with injuries his whole career. The offensive line has not been consistent since Mike Bloomgren left. Um, I think Simi Fahoko, who was a sophomore this year, he was a freshman last year coming off of a LDS mission. He had a good, good freshman season. Maybe he can break through and be a, be a weapon for Stanford. But, but like realistically, there, I don't see a ton of guys that, that th- like worry me as perimeter threats. Defensively, it feels like it's been a while since this has been the, the Stanford that just totally suffocates teams on that side of the ball, I just think things are, you know, things are still, I, I have no reason to believe that the decay has, has ceased. And so I am on the under here. I mean, I think that the fact that they get Washington state and Oregon state at home, keep me from thinking that this might be a two and four season for Stanford. Like I, I definitely am on the under and I am like, you know, I consider those to be toss-ups. I think that that Colorado home game is the only certain win on the Stanford schedule the way that I see it. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm not going to try to talk myself into bringing Stanford back to uh, a stage and a status that we haven't seen in a couple years. So, especially not uh, during this particular season. So, I will absolutely be uh, also on the under. How many games are going to win this fall? Which brings us to Washington State. Nick Rolovich comes in to take over for Mike Leach, uh, and he inherits a program that should still be able to be productive offensively. They've got, from the cross division, they play at USC from the Pac-12 South. Home games are Oregon, Washington, and Cal. Wolf Road games uh, at USC, at Oregon State, at Stanford. So we, we did run and shoot. Um, but it wasn't really all necessarily run and shoot. We were just certainly moving, uh, moving up tempo, trying to be productive at Hawaii. What is that going to look like, uh, as he comes in, how much of, how much of that was just Nick Rolovich leaning into his personnel? What does he inherit? Like, I feel like there's a lot, uh, a lot more questions with the Cougars, than I necessarily have answers for are over under set at one and a half Barton, which way are you going? Oh man, this is a tough one. I look, I I've, I've been in the past. I've made mistakes with Washington state because Mike Leach does his Mike Leach thing. And he, he sucks you into not really believing in these guys because 
there's a lot of a lot of names that maybe you don't really know that well. You don't have a lot of confidence in, but they they find success, they overachieve, um, and and so I've probably gotten some some underpicks wrong here with Washington State through the years, and there's a little bit of that to this year as well. Um, I mean, look, they've Max Borgie's one of the best running backs in college football. He's he's a blast. Um, you know, Abe Lucas is a high-end NFL draft prospect at offensive tackle. Um, you know they've got guys that can catch the ball on the outside. They are starting a true freshman at quarterback in Jaden Delara. I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, he beat out some guys that Cameron Cooper and Gunnar Cruz are – those guys are, are talented. I mean, they're not bums, and he beat those guys out. So, I don't know. Maybe it's a good thing that he's a starter. Maybe that means that he's – He's been forged through the fire of competition, but I, I think that when I when I just the roster, when I compare it to the other teams, when you talk about their, you know, they have zero spring practices, they've got a new head coach, new system. Uh, I, I just I don't know. I've got a hard time going over whatever the number is. I've just someone's got to go under, and Washington State is just not one that I have a lot of confidence in. So I. I'm playing the under here. Same. It's, uh, I mean, I don't know how difficult or strange the transition would be going from like an air raid to a run and shoot. I suspect that it's not going to be that drastically different for a lot of the returning players that are coming into this new offense. And I think that is a good sign. But you mentioned Jada Dolores taking over as a true freshman. He's starting the first game. And maybe that's a good sign in that he was able to win the competition but it could also be Nick Rolovich looking at this season and saying, well, year zero, it's year zero, kind of a transition. Let me get my kids some experience because, you know, there was no spring. There was no real camp leading up to the season. So, yeah, because it's like I, I don't know how much he could have done in practice to really say, wow, that guy is clearly our number one starter going into the season. And I think it could be more of that situation. But I, I there there are just too many questions with this team because of all that stuff for me to feel super confident about it. Like I that Oregon State to open, I'd lean Oregon State. Oregon, I think that's a loss. At Stanford, I'm leaning Stanford versus Washington. I think that's a loss. At USC, I think that's a loss. At Cal, I think that's a loss. So when I go through it, it's like I don't see the game where it's like I feel comfortable saying that yeah they've got a better chance to win that one than lose it. I do think they're going to get a win somewhere, though. It's just I don't think they're going to get two. So I'm going to stick with the under. Where's the second win? Where? Is it? Is this something about the six-game schedule? Is that what has us to in lockstep right now? We need more games to be yeah, able to spice up like the opinions on it? It's just not as much variance because it's like everybody – It's yeah, when there's a smaller schedule, it's easier to agree. Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't see a second win. I and I think I am ready to be proven wrong because I remember wasn't the hire over like national championship game weekend. Like I think I think it knew one of those like news breaks, but everybody's so in the midst of something else. The actual news just sort of like flies a little bit like below the radar. Yeah, I, I it might have been national championship weekend. It was something because it was definitely one of those. Oh well, uh, don't really have time for that right now. Yeah, yeah. Hey, somebody, can you knock out that post real quick because no. we've got this other thing going on over here. That's that sort of situation. <laughs> because I, I had some conversations with some people uh, in New Orleans, and I was admitting I was like, look, I haven't been to a Hawaii game. Like I, I don't I, outside of like watching it while the podcast uploads, you know, just sort of as, as my, to, to my lullaby to tuck myself in as the instant reaction pod is getting, uh, sent to subscribers. I, I, I don't have, and what uh, my other note was knowing that you better have two quarterbacks ready. Cause Nick Rolovich is going to pull his first quarterback in like the second quarter, put in the backup, then he's going to pull him and switch him back. Like, I, I just didn't have a, a good feel for what to expect. I mean, the Britney Spears impersonator at, Pac, at uh, Mountain West Media Days. Like, there's there's all these little um, items that you could grab that are shiny objects to make me be excited about the idea of Nick Rolovich at Washington State. But you know, he also kind of mismanaged uh, a player trying to decide whether or not he's going to opt out earlier this year. You know, things things were. 
uh, not exactly handled in the most most smooth manner in that case. Not you know not the best situation to have uh, a player feel like he needs to tape a conversation that he's having with you. <laughs> I wouldn't say trust is particularly high in the locker room, but that plays no impact on my decision here, which is also to go under. It is just a matter of like very simply. I think that at USC is a tough, tough cross-division game. And when the toss-ups that I've got are both on the road at Oregon State and at Stanford, uh, chances are not good that there's a second win there. I think that Washington State probably wins one, but I I don't know where the second one comes from. Count them up! Which, Which brings us to our beloved Beavs and Oregon State. Uh, Oregon State gets out of the cross division, has to go to Salt Lake City to play Utah. They get Washington State at home, Cal at home, Oregon at home, uh, at Washington, and at Stanford are the road games in division play. Barton, we have uh, we've we've come a long way with this uh, this this Oregon State program, and I wish that we had non conference games to be able to to throw like on the lock up Oregon state. Like I wish we had a Colorado on this schedule or an Arizona where, you know, that even, you know, that the disrespect would have them as like a short dog or even just a narrow favorite. It's like, Oh no, no Oregon state's going to, this, this is a game they win. This is a game where they flex how far they've come. I don't know how many opportunities there are here. One and a half is our total. Which way are you going? Okay. This is a team that they they won four games in the Pac-12 last year. Mm-hmm. They won four. All right. We together in our fandom with Oregon State have traversed beyond the idea of moral victories. Mm-hmm. We have developed. We have improved. We saw meaningful steps forward last year. I know how hard it's going to be. I know that the road is going to be rocky. I get it. There's going to be challenges ahead, but in a in a in a year like 2020, you got to believe in something. You know, you just have to have some sort of faith in something. And I have faith in the beeves in my beavers. <laughs> One going. and a half. <laughs> One and a half games. Their schedule is Washington State, Washington, Cal, Oregon, Utah, Stanford. I believe amongst those games, there is two that I have a very hard time envisioning them win. There is four that I believe they have a, there is a scenario within which they can win it. This team I, I know that they got a new quarterback and that was a big part of their success last year, but Tristan Jebbia is a gym rat. He is not a specimen by any stretch of the imagination, but he is a smart, accurate quarterback. who will be able to operate the offense effectively. He will be able to win you some football games. Their defense is, let's see, they return nine starters. Okay. And amongst them, let me pull up their depth chart real quick. Um, so Hamilcar Rashad is like a stud, mm-hmm. like an NFL stud. They've got uh, Addison Gums, Omar Spates, Avery Roberts, like all guys that are legit um, power five high-end starters. David Morris is really good. Like they've got players on that side of the ball. They've got a good running back in Jamar Jefferson. There is enough here for me to cling to, for me to lean into hope for once in 2020, Oregon State goes over. I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> Hop on board. I mean, I'm setting, like the, I'm setting that speech to music at, at some point. <laughs> like the offense was good last year and they lose a whole lot on offense. Like if we go back to Bill Connolly's, you know, returning production rankings, Oregon State's 84th overall, but it's 123rd on offense. But the thing is, when I look at the team, I look at everything it needs to replace. 
I have confidence in Jonathan Smith, given his yeah. background and given what he's done that, okay, they're going to have new players, but they're still going to probably score plenty of points. It's like, can they improve defensively? I thought that was the problem last year. And you mentioned it, Barton defensively, they rank 12th in those returning pr production rankings, as far as the amount of guys that they have back and experience that they have back. So when I first saw this to or when I saw this total that was set by somebody else, I was like, <laughs> All right, I, I, this seems way too low to me, and I just have to take the over because when I look at the schedule, it's like, yeah, it's they were five and seven last year. They won four games of the Pac-12, but schedule-wise, we've talked about Washington State. I think that is a win. I think Washington is probably a loss, but I, you know I'm down on Cal. I think Oregon State can beat Cal at home. I think offensively it's going to be too good for Cal. I don't think it could beat Oregon. Utah on the road, that's tough. Stanford on the road, that's a coin flip. So when I go through that, that's like three very possible wins that I feel like I feel confident that they can get. So I have to take the over. My pick to. is under. Whoa. Oh, but I, I I root for the over. No, you know. Right. No, no. I just, I had to keep it. Listen, I had to maintain integrity within this process. And, uh, I've got four losses. I do, I do. I think that Cal and Oregon getting those games at home are um, disappointing because I think they are losses. At Washington, I think is a loss. And at Utah, I think is a loss. I was ready to kind of sell a lot of Utah stock tease for the Pac-12 South episode. But digging into it, I think I'm, I've come back around on the Utes. And so four losses, no guaranteed wins, and two toss-ups. I think Oregon State at Stanford is is what could get you to the over. I think Oregon State beats Washington State in the opener, but as a whole, running my system, I come up with zero wins, four losses, two toss ups. That's under one and a half. I listen. I hear you. I hear you. And then be true to yourself. That's okay. Yeah, you be true to yourself. Just a hater. But, but just know that when this over hits and Tom and I are popping bottles. <laughs> You're not invited to our party. No, I right. I totally understand, and uh, and there there are some victory parades that you know I don't deserve to be at. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernell. You can follow him at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Coming up next, we will be posting the Pac-12 South win totals, all that, and much much more. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Sir.